personally, uh, selfishly, really, my experience of Corona 2020 has not been that bad. Um, I'm an introvert uh, at my core, so really time alone and silence, that, that can feed my, my soul. Um, uh, also, um, the, I've still got a paying job that actually in times like this goes up in value. People give it higher value in, in these kind of chaotic times. So for, for me, it's not been a bad time. But again, that's personally and selfishly. My family's done well. Really just one person actually was sick but is recovered and a couple um, have job changes or losses but uh, they weren't the the primary breadwinner in the family so they're they're doing well but some of you've had drastic changes um during this time some of you are extroverts and you crave the the crowd and the energy of the crowd and you're just um melting away in this forced time of isolation um, and for others, you've had really dramatic economic changes, you're lost jobs, you're maybe losing your business, uh, you're unable to pay certain bills. So it, it just, we're all going through the same thing, but we're in such drastically different places. And that's one of the challenges of being a community. It can be very complicated and very difficult uh, together. Where one can be at peace and calm and the other can be going through the same thing, yet it is destructive and devastating. Um, and we realize that as we're seeking as a community to find a place of peace for all, it, it may be harder on one than another. For some, their peace may be disturbed in order to bring peace to all in the community. Uh, we, we chase that, uh, we, uh, we face that also in, in challenges in our city, in our state, and even on a national stage. Um, in our, our city, the, the murder rate has skyrocketed over the last three months. There are almost the same amount of murders in the last three months that there were all of last year. Um, we also see the, the economic uh, injustice that uh, COVID-19 has spotlighted in, in our state. So much so that the governor has called a task force uh, to explore um, why uh, COVID-19 has um, uh, affected certain populations more than others. Why has it affected populations of color? Why has it affected uh, uh, those that are economically poor more than others? And what do we need to do about it to change it? And then um, nationally, uh, during this season, we have had the, the racialization of our nation and our continued racial injustice spotlighted um, even more so this week, the last several weeks. From Ahmad Arbery, who was jogging in Georgia and then was was shot, and the, the two white men that shot him weren't charged or arrested for two months until it became a national uh, story, and then um, things were done. Or Breonna Taylor in Louisville, who was shot in her own um, home, or uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis, who had a police officer with his foot on his neck for five, six minutes, saying that he couldn't breathe, and eventually. He died. And uh, uh, those stories and others that continue to come to the fore in this season, uh, it's highlighted all the more. 
the injustice in our land. And again, it demonstrates the great challenges of being community together. It demonstrates how we can be going through the same thing, but for some, it causes great distress and others aren't really affected much at all. Now, I do want to highlight uh, that there are also good things in our community during this time. We, we see people helping one another and supporting one another are good things that are happening. I don't want to diminish those, but I also don't want the good things to overshadow the evil that is being highlighted and spotlighted and the challenge that we face of being community together who are pursuing peace, pursuing shalom for all in the community together. And what we'll see in our passage today is some guidance on what it means to be community together in stressful times, the, the, the challenges that we face. Uh, particularly, our passage will be speaking about the community as the church, as those who are followers of Jesus uh, together, who, who are uh, committed to being that kind of community, being that kind of support, um, a, a supportive community to, to help one another follow Jesus, who are being changed by God in order to to avoid what is evil and do what is good together. That, I mean, that's what we'll see um, in uh, this passage today, uh, that, that God has, uh, leads us together so that we challenge one another, support one another to, to follow Jesus uh, together in order to do what is good, uh, to glorify uh, God's name. Now, uh, I think there'll also be some some principles that we'll gather from this. Even though the focus is on the church, there'll be principles that we can apply in other ways, other communities, in the larger community, in our neighborhoods, and even in our workplace and other places. Um, but where we'll be looking at is First Thessalonians, the, the very end of First Thessalonians. So we're in the last portion of this journey um, uh, of Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, chapter 4. Five, starting with verse 12. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your written word that speaks to us of your truth. And we come together to hear from you uh, so that uh, we will uh, know your guidance for us. Uh, ways that we can encourage, support, and correct one another to being your people, demonstrating your good news to the world and pursuing your righteousness and your justice, your goodness together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 12. Uh, now, before I read it, actually, what I'm, I'm going to just read uh, a part and then speak to that as we walk through it. And, and what we'll see as we um, look at this is that uh, Paul's giving um, a perspective of community. Uh, he'll talk a little bit about leaders and the followers and community, how they relate to one another. Then he'll talk about how we relate to one another as uh, relate to each other um, in the church. 
church. And then he'll talk about how we relate to God, both individually um, and uh, together. Uh, and it's these are rather pithy statements. You know, they're succinct statements. So not a, a lot of detail, but he hits on a lot of different points. So we'll walk through that um, together. All right, first, uh, verse 12 and 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So the first thing that he talks about are leaders, how leaders are to to give direction for whatever group they're leading. That's what any leader does. They give direction for any group they're leading. And in this uh, particular situation, what Paul is saying for the leaders over the church, they are, he gives sort of three phrases. They're, They're to labor, they are to be over the church in the Lord, and they are to admonish the the church um positive and negative but just a few things to highlight here when you're in a position of of leadership in the church uh, whether paid or unpaid as a staff or as an elder or a deacon it it is not an honorific title it is not a, a place to sit on the throne and watch the minions it is a place of labor it is a a position of work and it is one where you have a responsibility and authority over others in the Lord. And one of the ways you exercise that authority is in admonishing. It's in warning those that you are placed to lead. It's to warn them, to point them to Jesus. So the, the point of a leader is to work and challenge and support in every way to help those in the church to follow Jesus. And then those that are in positions of following those leaders uh, are called to respect and esteem them uh, very highly in love. There is uh, there is an honor given to the position. Even though it's not honorific, it is one that is to work. There is an honor and an esteem given to those positions of leadership. And I want to take just a moment to, to celebrate the ways that I personally, and I think for the staff and session of the, the church as well, feel supported and encouraged and esteemed in this time, uh, by largely by the congregation. I mean, in your generosity and support, we, we still have work. We still have resources to pay us for the work that we are doing. And you are participating um, in that work, whether it's watching this or in small groups or in serving the, the community in a variety of ways, you are participating in that. And that gives us that, that, that sense of esteem, that, that sense of, of honor. Uh, so I want us to just to celebrate that for all. And also, they want to challenge you. Um, challenge you as you evaluate the leadership of the church, which you do. Everybody does that. We just naturally will evaluate those that are in leadership. And that's not a bad thing. But what I want to challenge you on is to continually evaluate the leadership of the church um, according to one basic guideline. How are we supporting, encouraging, and challenging you to follow Jesus? That's 
the purpose that God has given to those that are in leadership. That's the purpose God has given to the church to be that kind of community. And that's the kind of evaluation that we need. How best to help support and even encourage and challenge you and us as a congregation to follow Jesus and to become more Christ-like. Um, I might also broaden this part of the passage just to consider other ways that you find yourself either in leadership or serving certain leadership. And that's, again, to evaluate them similarly. Not, not so much how are they making you happy, but how are they making you better? How are the leaders in your life or the roles of leadership that you have not to serve to make people happy, but to make them better? To, to consider that in, in the ways of your life as you are either in leadership or serving um, under leadership. All right, the next thing that Paul then uh, gets at here in terms of how we're uh, to be a community together and in pursuing um, God's peace and pursuing God's righteousness is uh, relates to our relationships with one another. So I'll pick up here in the very end of verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak. Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. Now, the the first element here about our relationships with one another in, in community, how we engage with each other, the first word that he gives us here is be at peace with one another. Uh, do everything you can to be at peace with one another. Now, that, that call to be at peace, that uh, again flows from the Hebrew word shalom, which, which doesn't mean there's an absence of conflict. Um, uh, this notion of being at peace doesn't mean that uh, uh, we just are kumbaya with one another. Everybody play nice, avoid conflict, just keep on the surface so that everybody can smile. That, that's not the peace that Paul is talking about here. What he, he's talking about this picture of shalom, this, this flourishing of the whole community. Like I was mentioning in the beginning, you know, for some folks, this time is sort of a peaceful time, Corona 2020. For others, it's devastating. Well, that, that's not pursuing peace. Uh, sometimes in order to pursue peace, it means somebody's peace has to be disturbed. It has to be uh, troubled in order to really pursue peace and flourishing together. And, and even the words that, that Paul speaks to here of what it means to be at peace, the, the next thing he says is now admonish one another. Well, admonish is not a nice, peaceful word. I mean, it, it really means to warn. It means uh, to uh, um, uh, give a, a correction to them. It, it, can be, it can be used like if your child is about to run in the street um, uh, with a car coming down the road. You, you don't just say, excuse me, sweetheart, you need to slow down and not... You yell, Hannah, stop! Because it would be devastating if she continued. So this admonishing and this peace we're pursuing does not mean that it's just easy going. It means there's work to be done to pursue this kind of peace. Now, so the, the, the second point then also is that he then gives a little bit of guidance to that. He says, you're to admonish the idle. You're to encourage the faint-hearted. You're to help the weak. 
See, it's not being in community where we're really pursuing this peace. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not just uh, the, that there's one way we interact with one another. The, the first thing we have to, to really do to pursue peace with one another in community is we have to stop and listen. What are the needs? What are the concerns? What are the troubles? And as you stop and listen and you hear what the concerns are, then you can say, well, is this a situation where the idol needs to be admonished? Is this one where it's really uh, someone who's uh, um, faint-hearted emotionally? They need to be built up. Or is it someone who's weak, who just doesn't have the resources and they need the resources to be given to, to pursue this, this peace, this flourishing? It's why you see Jesus sometimes. I mean, there's a story where he goes up to a blind man and he says, what can I do for you? I would think, you know, that you'd see he's blind, you'd heal him. But that's not what he does because he recognizes in community the necessity of really knowing one another in relationships and listening and stop coming with an answer before you've ever asked the question. And our our goal as a church here, here at, at College Hill Presbyterian, our goal is to grow a diverse community of Jesus followers. We've got to listen to those that are different than us, to hear how, how they feel, to hear what's, what's going on in their lives. Uh, one... Um, uh, for us as a church, as we continue to intentionally pursue being diverse in race, economics, in age, in a variety of ways, but united in Jesus, we're continually working on living into that diversity and making peace in that diversity. Building upon, but moving beyond our 177-year history, which is largely a white affluent, older congregation. We're seeking to to build on it, but move beyond to engage with those all around us and among us, united in Jesus as a diverse community of His followers. And as that happens, um, what Paul says is you're, you work in that way, you pursue peace, you, you listen, you, you figure out, right, is it time to admonish, is it time to help, is, what, what time is it, uh, that will require patience. That will build patience in us. It takes patience to engage with one another who are different. It takes patience to engage with one another in times of stress and uncertainty. It takes patience for each one of us to listen, to understand, to change, and to act in ways that are best for all. So this is a a challenge then for us, particularly as a church, um, to simply um, reach out in your groups or in other relationships to those that are different than you. Again, whether it's race, whether it's uh, age, um, whether it's background, whatever it might be. And simply explore. How how do you feel about COVID-19 and our response as a church, as a state, as as a nation? asking one another and then patiently listening and understanding. Do the same thing. Um, uh, and this is even a greater challenge. 
Do the same thing with those that are different than you in race. And ask them, ask one another, how do you feel about Ahmad or Brianna or George, who I mentioned earlier? Again, takes patience to understand and to listen and to act in a way that brings peace for all. It may require some disturbing of your peace in order to then act unified in bringing peace for all. Now, before I move on on to the the next point, I do want to celebrate, again, as I said at the beginning, I want to take a moment and celebrate the positive ways that we have seen folks trying to listen, trying to act in ways for all to to bring peace in in their lives. And for one, in the church, I, I simply am thankful to God's generosity through you as a congregation and the deacons fund that is that I know has helped a number of individuals and families who have been economically affected by um, this uh, season of corona and uh, the the quarantine and in loss of jobs and and thanks for those who have been able to give to that that have helped um, them to to continue to put food on the table and pay their basic bills. And I think we can also be thankful for how our state and national government have sought to do the same. You might disagree about some of the details, but the pursuit of trying to provide for all through unemployment and other stimulus checks and other things have sought to bring peace for all. Now, the, the last uh, part of the, the passage then, um, Paul now talks about how not just how the community needs to relate re- leaders to followers, and also how we relate to each other, but how we relate to God individually and how we relate to God through one another. Um, so let's uh, pick up then in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, Now, you may notice in the beginning of the passage uh, a whole lot of, of really universal kind of language. You know, rejoice, pray, give thanks, and do it always. Do it in every circumstances. Do it at all times. And I think what, what Paul, to summarize that, what Paul is saying to us, um, in our relationship with God in times of stress as we're seeking to be the church and pursue what is good and right, that, that it means that God is always with us. So no matter what the situation, we can rejoice in the very presence of God with us. When he says that we can pray unceasingly, it means that God's ear is attentive to our voice at any and all times. And that even in the worst of times, even that we can give thanks to God, that we are secure in Jesus, even if death is imminent. So in all of times, we can, still in the midst of those times, because of God's presence, rejoice. We can, we can pray, we can cry out to Him, even if it's in, just in lament. And we can be, find something in Him to be thankful for. 
Just uh, last week, I was with uh, uh, on a Zoom call with some other pastors and one um, friend um, who's an African-American pastor in the city, has been for over 25 years. He shared in our uh, small group that just how angry he was, and this was particularly over the Ahmad Aubrey, the um, uh, gentleman that was killed in, um, in Georgia when he was jogging, and, and how angry, frustrated, overwhelmed he was, and that if it weren't for Jesus, he would be in a really bad place. And one, I was, I was thankful that we could be a place where he was free to, to share that and was uh, uh, overwhelmed by his depth of faith that in the midst of just all that he was trying to deal with emotionally, that even then he could find something to be thankful for and even rejoice and pray over in terms of God's presence with him and the powerful love of Jesus for him. So uh, he's certainly not saying that we rejoice, give thanks, um, and pray that we overlook what is evil. It's even in the time of evil. Because if you remember too, the church in Thessalonica, they were persecuted. There were people who were being jailed and even killed for their faith. And yet Paul is charging them in the depth of their relationship with God and how necessary that is as a community is seeking to come together to seek peace together. And then um, he, Paul also brings up how they together can seek God together. Their relationship with God will grow together. Um, for Jesus followers, the Holy Spirit, it, it resides in every one of us. And we, we don't deny that. And we can't deny that. And, and we have to be careful that, that we are ready and prepared to, to listen to every voice of someone who says they're following Jesus because you never know... Who, through whom God is going to speak. And we cannot, we cannot deny out of hand anyone who's a follower of Jesus the capacity to speak God's word to us in that moment. That's why uh, Paul says here, you know, don't, um, to, to, uh, not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. That They will come. The spirit will work to speak through others. And we can't say um, that we're only going to let certain people admonish us or help us or encourage us. We can't say, well, you know, they're not spiritual enough or they're too spiritual. You know, they're not smart enough or they're too smart. Uh, we, we, we're... We, we can't have our little, what I like to call the Goldilocks band. You know, that they're just right. They're not too much or too little. Because God uses all kinds and types to speak to each one of us in community. Um, the, uh, and and the, the struggle with that, the problem with that, is that what we find when we have our little Goldilocks band, uh, what we usually find is that that band usually means that's what we prefer. And, and often we need the voices of others that we might even ignore to really speak to us, to admonish us, to encourage us. And to help us. So Paul wants to be sure that we, we don't despise the prophecies and don't quench the spirit. But he does say, be sure to test it. 
And that's why we have the, the scriptures, the, the written word of God. If God is speaking through another, God will not contradict what God is telling us through his word. And then he, he, he finally he closes off the statement by saying, this is our purpose for this. And as he looks at the leadership, as he looks at our relationship with one another, relationship with God individually and corporately, he says, and this is our purpose. All of this is in order that we hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. That is the purpose of the church. In the midst of stressful times, in the midst of all kinds of times, God's purpose is to bring together a supportive community of Jesus followers who are being changed by God in order to avoid what is evil and do what is good. And if that's the case for us, then the first step we need to do, the first step you need to take, I need to take, if this is what we're about as the church, is to do the same thing that Paul does in the next verse, and that's to pray. Here, here is prayer after he's highlighted, given this description, this quick description of the church. Now in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God is at work in you and in me. What God has started in you, God will complete. When our, our hope that Paul has been highlighting the whole way through. Our hope is that one day Jesus will return and make all things right. What he has made us to be as his children, what he has made us to be in, in his death and his resurrection, blameless before God, one day will come when he will join with all who believe and trust and follow him and make us blameless holy, completely. We will be holy, holy. In body, in mind, in soul, in spirit. What Paul is saying, it will all be complete. That is our hope. He will make us whole and pure and good in the power of the resurrection. Now, what, what I encourage um, you to do this week is to take this prayer and make it your own. Make it our own. Reword it. Instead of where Paul is praying for you and um, uh, say me and my, say us and our. Jo- join in the prayer in, in this way. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify me completely. And may my whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls me is faithful. He will surely do it. Or or do it for all of us. Pray this for all of us as a church. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify us completely. And may our whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls us is faithful. He will surely do it. We intentionally want to be a diverse community of Jesus followers. And if we are the 
same kind of people, if we're not diverse, then what we have is we have sort of collective blind spots. We tend to have the same kind of blind spots. I know that it's true, particularly when it comes to race. For me, growing up in a homogenous setting, mostly white, affluent families, I had no idea of my biases, my racism, my blind spots toward the advantages of what it means to be a white male in our day. I had no idea about the social injustice of our nation because it didn't affect me. It didn't intersect into my life. And it didn't make the history classes I took in high school either. I was part of an evil I didn't even realize. For my sanctification, for my growth in Jesus, for my growth in holiness, it was absolutely necessary for me to be a part of a diverse community seeking to follow Jesus. Seeking to be the vision that Paul has here of a community of people that are purifying one another in Jesus, changed by Jesus in order to pursue what is good and not do what is evil. And brothers and sisters, what I know, I know that the hope, the Christian hope that we have in Jesus' return means that a day will come That the effort we place into pursuing peace, into pursuing what is good, into admonishing, encouraging, helping one another to live in the fullness of, of Christ's love. As Paul says here, a day will come when he will do it. He is faithful. He is good. He will make it happen. One day, Jesus will return and make all things right. So friends, whatever we do on this journey as a community seeking to pursue the righteousness of God, being that supportive community, admonishing, encouraging, and helping one another to follow Jesus, it will eventually be accomplished by the power of the resurrection in Jesus. Because what God has started in us, God will bring to completion. That is why, no matter what the situation, we have hope in a broken world. Let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, we uh, do lift ourselves up to you as your church. We desire for you to continue to be sanctifying us, making us holy, uh, leading us into a a place of of purity, of doing what is good and not what is evil. Continue to to use us and the community that we have to to reveal to one another how we we participate, maybe blindly or actively, in what what is evil, what is bad, what destroys our peace. Help us, Lord, to be that good example to the world and a good influence in our neighbors, in our community, in our city for your glory and for your honor. And and gracious God, we we take this time in this season of of continued um, uh, chaos and uncertainty. We pray for those whose businesses are indeed um, hanging in the balance. We we pray for those in need of, of work. 
We pray for those particularly in need of health, Lord, that you would protect life. You would be working with those who are seeking to find a vaccine and best practices to be lived to completely end the threat of this virus. We pray for your healing hand upon us. And Lord, as we come into the the summer, um, as schools come to an end, we, we pray for those educational institutions that you would grant them wisdom and resources. They prepare for the, the fall uh, to, to truly uh, seek the flourishing of each of those institutions for all who need and seek education. And for those government leaders and, and church leaders, those that we are under, help us to follow them. In those positions of, of leadership, Lord, may we work for you in serving um, you in the positions of leadership we have. And, um, uh, Lord, for other needs that have gone unspoken, but you hear the cries of our heart, wherever we might be, and whatever we lift before you, hear these cries. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.